Hi everyone, it's Hemant Kumar back again with another episode. Welcome back. Super excited to have you all here. Really appreciate you guys for listening. In this episode, I'm excited to talk about how to get started with Ansible. In this episode, I'm going to talk about Ansible. Let's see more in details. Let's deep dive now. But before that, in case if you have not listened to my other podcast, please go ahead and listen. Today, I wanted to talk about Ansible, but I also wanted to touch about the difference between Terraform and Ansible. But before talking about the difference, let's see what Ansible is. Ansible is an open source software provisioning configuration management and uh, application deployment provisioning and uh, deployment tool acquired by Red Hat in 2015. It provides the ability to throw declarative language to describe system configuration. It uses YAML, a human-readable data serialization language syntax for expressing Ansible playbooks. Ansible playbooks are the building blocks for all the use cases of uh, Ansible. Ansible uses uh, SSH with uh, no agents to install on uh, remote systems. I came to Ansible from a unique approach. I have uh, both a Linux and Windows background, so bringing that into a Windows environment was a unique and interesting implementation. So people are wondering what's big difference between Terraform and uh, Ansible. Should I do one or the other? Are they complementary? So let's take a look at it. I have a pretty good perspective on Ansible. It is great for configuring. Well, there are different tools. Terraform is for deploying and provisioning and then Ansible's more configuration. Now they can be used for the same thing. You can use Terraform hook into an Azure Stripe extension and run some configuration. So that way Terraform is really controlling and kicking off the configuration. Ansible can be used to create virtual machines or uh, pass services. They are better in that space. So here's the distinction. Ansible is best for configuration and Terraform is best for creation deployment. So they are best used together, especially if you have an uh, immutable stack where you are creating virtual machines and uh, then you must configure them. Then a new version comes out of a uh, chocolatey and you need to deploy that out there. That's where they work well together. Now, if you are using a lot of uh, past services, it doesn't make sense to have a Terraform to do that because uh, you don't have any state to configure after it's uh, deployed. Yeah, so if you are using past services, that doesn't add a lot of value. But let's be real. A vast majority of the internet is run by virtual machines. So there is still definitely a place for a tool that does the configuration. The other benefit that I see with Ansible people miss is that it's a great orchestration engine for automation that can reduce toil so that you could delegate out. That's not something that you would use Terraforms for because it's declarative. You wouldn't use Terraform to do a database failover. So stuff like that, that's where Ansible, it becomes more useful in those senses. So really context matters. And that makes a lot of sense. For uh, spin up the cloud infrastructure first, maybe Terraform because it's well suited for that. And then bootstrap your machines if you're still using those with Ansible. So I decided to provision AWS resources or Azure, and then after the resource operation, the way that you use Ansible Interact is the same. 
because I'm using virtual machines underneath to demonstrate how to use Ansible. So whether that virtual machines in AWS or Azure, you will still connect or with the Windows or SSH. I'm doing a lot of webinars, reading blogs, following a lot of open source and enterprise versions and uh, stuff over the years. That has helped me to do the uh, analyzation and I've started learning uh, things. I could think of uh, Alvin Toffler quote now where he says, the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those uh, who cannot read and write, but those who cannot learn, unlearn and relearn. So I love the process. I don't want to go the same standard uh, procedure of reading books and practicing labs because I wanted to have complete control of the happenings in the current and upcoming technology streams. So I had a lot of knowledge that I wanted to share that really wasn't documented anywhere. I love the podcast process because I have started learning and sharing the right content to audience. I changed my voice modulation uh, while presenting podcasts. I think that's really helping. So during this uh, journey, uh, I have gained a lot of uh, new connections, understood business verticals. It was a lot of fun. I took this giant thing and uh, break it down into small chunks. So now I'm a cloud evangelist exploring public cloud, multi-cloud, uh, platform as a service, DevOps, microservices, Docker, Kubernetes. I'm very much uh, keen to do a lot machine learning, artificial intelligence, blockchain. Soon I will learn and share on those areas as well. So yeah, I was all learning that. I got to do that I loved, but I even loved the process of doing this podcast. It's hard to keep up a streak like that. When people are automating the process of building VM images, usually they are picking a flavor of automation for this and uh, packers are commonly used one. So the value there is, say you are using a Windows machine and uh, you need to pre-configure WinRM in some certain way so that Ansible can connect to it and uh, you don't want to use a script resource in Azure or the user data in AWS. An image is one way to do that. Or there is a stuff that needs to be installed everywhere and uh, you don't want to add 20 minutes to the build. Configuration with the Ansible, uh, you can embed that in the image. Packers uh, way to automate that image building process. So it's an amazing tool. Worth checking it out uh, for everybody listening out there. The big uh, cloud now, AWS, Azure and all, uh, they have uh, complementary services that hook in with that. So it's worth checking that out. So there are a lot of uh, webinars, books, and online resources which are of phenomenal resources. Let's take one scenario. Should I also cover containers in this episode? Should I show how to run stuff in container or build containers? So I walked through using containers for Ansible or using Ansible in the container. You must learn about uh, Docker containers by building a container that will run uh, Ansible. So you will start that uh, container, you will run it interactively, and at the end you will learn how to use that same container inside your CI CD to execute Ansible inside of a pipeline. It gets a little confusing because you can use uh, Ansible to orchestrate the building of containers or uh, deployment and manipulation. I mentioned uh, CI CD. So am I working GitHub uh, Actions or Azure pipelines? And the answer is yes. If you don't have any background in release engineering and you haven't used CI CD before, GitHub Actions are a really great place to start because they are super simple, but it's not some time ago. I had uh, Team City over here and um, Octopus Deploy over here. And I was like, I just want to run this uh, pester test and then uh, copy this file here. So I had to learn two systems. Uh, learning two systems is not a complicated, uh, is not a big thing, but uh, trying to implement both together or, or integrating both together was a challenging bit. So GitHub actions negate that where it's just a gamble document that you must figure out how to use. Then it's inside the same tool of your repo, which is nice. So 
I highly recommend looking into those. Yeah, one of the things that triggered there in my head was the thought that a lot of times people think Ansible is just for Linux, but Ansible is available in Windows World too. Maybe they are just going to be moving beams in the cloud, but still using it there. I think this is something Windows people should have on their radar as a provisioning tool to help them bootstrap servers and whatnot. I've been using Ansible for uh, about some time and I haven't yet had to create a custom model for Windows. So that's because with Ansible, they have Windows support in their existing modules that come with uh, Ansible. If that doesn't work, then you have uh, doc resources that you have uh, that you can leverage and invoke them independently, but instead of an Ansible playbook. Then lastly, if none of that works, you can still run just PowerShell. So if you can run PowerShell, you can do anything in Windows. So the benefit that you get with Ansible versus PowerShell and writing everything yourself is a lot of time saved in an orchestrator. An, or an orchestrator that invokes item potent modules so you don't have to write. The example that I like to use is a folder. So you create a folder with PowerShell, works great for the first time. You create the folder again, it fails because it already exists. Then you got to write some try-catch logic. If you want to retrieve data about the file or folder, you must write a git command to retrieve it. That's what happens in an Ansible module. All that item potency is built into it where you don't have to write all that code. But then you get to still have all the comforts of PowerShell and able to run that with the inside Ansible. I think there is absolutely 100% space for Ansible to be used in uh, one of those environments. Let me talk about uh, desired state configuration now which is DSC in short. I've been a little detached, but it is still moving. There has been a lot of great progress uh, from the community and from Microsoft on the modules. I don't know uh, the future is of the local configuration manager natively, but it is very useful hook into other configuration management tools. Ansible is not the only one that can use DSC. Uh, Chef and Puppet can also. Is Ansible is the number one coding language that maybe one of the questions running in few of your minds, right? In the Windows world, it's obviously very low. To me, PowerShell community stands big. If there are two Venn diagrams, Ansible's right in the middle and the circles badly touch each other, I don't think it's extremely popular. I think it's more popular in the Linux space, but I think it's on the rise. Terraform is as close behind, but Ansible was beating Terraform as far as adoption increases a language. So I think it's really at the beginning of the rise of automation especially as it gets into the networking space and orchestrating and uh, automating network configuration and stuff like that. Let me share one favorite story from the blog. So there was this uh, painful meeting that uh, whoever was on call had to suffer through. Every week there was about an hour meeting where they had to do some kind of, uh, I won't uh, go into the uh, specifics, but uh, testing with the environment and basically click a lot of buttons that people uh, told them to do and uh, change some configs and files, uh, you know, to test a process in the environment. That happened every week. It was an hour to two hours of uh, your time if on a call. The success story from that is a PowerShell script already existed. So they retrofitted that to go into Ansible. So they, so they just took the commands and they are like, oh, what's this module for this? And uh, wrote a new playbook. Then it became easy where it took the two-hour meeting down to 45 minutes, but they were still on the call. Basically, to give a little bit more detail the, uh, about the playbook, it would change a bunch of config files against like 100 of web servers, and they would change some uh, database stuff. It took a long time to do it manually. It was a long 
it was a lot of tedious work. Then they would have to reverse that at the end of the process. So then they got that in the playbook. They had to click the thing, uh, could uh, brought it down like uh, 45 minutes because it was not a lot of RDPing. It was uh, running automation, a new automation. But then the most beautiful thing was they are like, hey, why don't we just uh, put this in tower and then uh, put their AT group that this team that's asking us to do this in and uh, delegate it to them and then um, uh, have them run it. So they did a couple of sessions where they let them run, but they were there uh, to get them comfortable with it. But after uh, two, three weeks of that, they just stopped attending the meetings and they were fine. Then a month later, something changed or they introduced a bug and it failed. And then they called a core team in and that's it. But then that was the norm where they would go months without hearing from them and not have to attend those meetings. So that was like the real, probably the favorite thing that they did was just taking back time by delegating tasks or automating them. So there are several other things that they use that were just like this space cleanup. I guess uh, they have never been in a job where disk space cleanup is not the bane of their existence. So they wrote automation and uh, they just uh, put it on a schedule to clean up all these files constantly. If they started getting alerts for it, they cranked up the frequency of that, that just reclaimed a lot of time. That was a good experience, uh, work smarter by automating stuffs. Ansible uh, Galaxy Playbooks versus roles. So let me talk about that as well. So. I walked through the rules. So you develop a role first and then uh, highlight the need to use it across multiple repositories or Ansible code bases. And uh, that's where galaxies would come into play. So I walked through definitely first to start with the local role and then what does it look like to put it in its own uh, get repository and uh, then use Galaxy to pull it down and use release uh, takes uh, to version your roles. Let's uh, look at another scenario. Is there a big difference between the ease of uh, use of Git app actions versus uh, Azure DevOps? Just in case you have, if you haven't heard, Microsoft bought GitHub. Microsoft uh, is doing a way more stuff. They were doing a lot in Azure pipelines. They are doing a lot now in GitHub Actions. However, there are, there are tons of customers in Azure Pipelines. So if you need to do some advanced things, I would uh, I would uh, suggest you to look at the Azure Pipelines. But for personal projects and uh, side stuff, for me, especially just running some uh, Ansible or running a container, GitHub Actions make a lot of sense where I don't need to worry about this uh, other tool. I think GitHub Actions is uh, very intuitive to get started with especially if you have already looked at uh, something like Azure Pipelines. If you have already been doing pipelines, GitHub Actions will be much easier. Uh, let's see some of the pros and cons of uh, Ansible. Pros uh, are Ansible is based on SSH, so it doesn't require to install any agents on remote nodes. Ansible playbook structure is easy and crystal clear structured. Um, Ansible has... Uh, a more streamlined code base compared to uh, some other tools. Ansible is uh, item potent. Uh, Ansible has high interoperability. And uh, some of the cons are Ansible is less effective than other tools that are based on other programming languages. Ansible does uh, its logic modification through the DSL. That means checking in on the documentation consequently until you learn it. And um, in Ansible, variable registration is asked for even simple functionalities which converts easier tasks into more complicated. 
uh, Ansible uh, introspection is uh, really very poor, so it makes uh, tough to see the values of uh, variables within the playbooks. And uh, lastly, uh, it's a poor development testing. So these are some of the cons that I've thought of sharing it with you. And Ansible in DevOps. In DevOps, as we know, development and operation work is integrated. This integration is very important for modern test-driven application design. Hence, uh, Ansible integrates this by providing a stable environment to both development and operations, resulting in uh, smooth orchestration. Ansible manages the entire DevOps infrastructure when uh, developers uh, begin to think of infrastructure as part of their application, that is, uh, uh, as infrastructure as code. Uh, like uh, stability and performance become normative. Infrastructure as code is the process of managing and provisioning computing infrastructure and their configuration through machine processable definition files rather than physical hardware configuration or the use of an interactive configuration tools. This is where Ansible automation plays a major role and stands out among its uh, peers. In DevOps, system admins work tightly with developers. Development velocity is improved and more time is spent doing activities like performance tuning experimenting and getting things done and less time is spent fixing problems okay that was some deep thoughts i guess uh, all right uh, everybody uh, thank you so much for being with me today uh, really appreciate uh, your time for listening we'll see you guys uh, on the next episode take care cheers